0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: I want to begin with a story. Many of you, if you've been here at Believers, you know parts of the story. I want to emphasize just one particular part, and it's just how I met Jesus. So my brother Tony and I, we owned the Still Valley Barbell Club in the late 70s, Boardman, Ohio, the corner of 224 and Market Street. And I had a guy come up to join And his name was Lou, and he paid for a membership, and then he paid extra to have me train him. And so we were all finished with that transaction, and he looked at me and he said, praise the Lord, Joe, Jesus loves you. And I had walked, I I was at a place where I didn't even believe God existed, and the whole Jesus thing really ruffled my feathers. And I gave him some blankety-blanks, and I said, are you one of those blankety-blank Jesus freaks? And he smiled and he said, Jesus loves you. And I said, I don't want to hear about this blankety blank Jesus. And he smiled and just walked away. He came up Monday. I asked all the, my closest workout buddies up there uh, to cuss extra. I cussed extra. I gave him my, I gave him my best. And I, tried to, I wanted him to quit because I didn't want to have him talk to G, me about Jesus. And uh, that guy was the most amazing guy because he, we would torment him. He'd come back the next time for a workout like like we never said a word to him. And after about two months, my heart began to soften. And I know God was working on me too. I know Lou was praying for me too. And then he called me one day and he just said to me, he said, turn the TV on. I said, it's the middle of the work day. I got to be out on the floor. He said, just watch this show. It's an hour long. You know, God made it so no one came up during that time. It was like a, just silent nobody in the gym. I watched a one-hour Christian show. I knelt down. At the end, I prayed. I accepted Jesus. So then I called Lou, and he was excited. I was excited. So he said, you now have to tell the first person that walks up that you've accepted Christ. And I said, Lou, you know these guys are crazy. I don't want to do that. (laughs) He said, you need to go public with your faith immediately. He said, it will change your life in your walk with Jesus. So I said, okay. And I'm waiting. And I hear a guy coming around the corner. I'm in the office. I'm at the window where he's going to sign in. And I'm thinking, who's it going to be? And then the guy turns the corner. I'm using a fictitious name to protect him. His name was John. And uh, I, I was so happy because John was the nicest guy at the gym. I never heard John cuss. I never heard him speak evil of anyone. John was just the nicest person I ever met. I had six brothers, and I thought, if I had a sister, I would want her to marry John. That's how nice John was. But I had to tell him, and I was a nervous wreck. And so then I said, hey, John, guess what? I accepted Jesus today. And he looks at me and says, praise the Lord, Joe. I'm a born-again Christian, too. I'm like, whoa, this was easier than I thought. (laughs) And then... We talked a little, he went to work out, and I walked back in my office, and I'm just thinking, "Wow, I've known him for almost two years, and he never once invited me to church. He never once told me about Jesus. And if I were to die, and I was living a lifestyle where I could have died, um, I would have went to hell. And then I was so thankful for Lou. And then later, I found out that Lou went to a church. We're talking about missions drift. It's when a church drifts from its mission. And Lou's church had drifted from its mission, but Lou hadn't. The number one mission is for us to share Christ with people. And, and we all have a different way of doing it, so we'll talk about the styles. And, and, and John went to a church that had drifted, and John had drifted. So John, if we were up there five years, he would have never invited me to church. And I just, I was really upset because I thought my soul was on the line. And, and he didn't share Jesus with me. So I want to help us become like Lou, although none of us, or very few of us, I should say, will do it the way Lou did, because Lou was a specific type of soul winner. Only 5% of Christians can do it the way Lou did, but all of us can, can, can share Christ with people. So here's my big idea. It's, 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 it's where I want all of us uh, to, to grow and come further in our faith, and it just goes like this. We are found people who find people. And that's just the heart of God, that he found us, Jesus saved our soul, and Jesus wants us to reach others and find them. And I know many of you are doing that, and I'm so thankful that you are. I know some of you have been doing it, and then you've kind of you've faded. I, I have to keep pulling myself back to center because it's so easy to drift, and that's what this series is about. Here, here's the big scripture. Uh, Mark 16, 15 says, and then he told them, you're going to go into all the world and preach or share the good news to everyone, everywhere. So the good news, in case you're new, is real simple. It's, hey, Jesus is the Son of God. He came to die for our sins. He was nailed to a cross. He died physically. They buried him. He spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, and then God raised him from the dead. He's alive, and if you believe in him, he'll save your soul. That's the good news. Now, in our culture today and I have a lot of people tell me this uh, the culture we live in today most young people don't believe the bible is from god and so people tell me how are we going to reach them I go you don't need it, one scripture to reach them you need the good news and then they'll they'll want to read the bible once they accept jesus but you don't have to quote a scripture you just tell them about jesus listen romans 116 says this guys if you get a hold of this it will change everything you do with bringing people to christ Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God that results in salvation. And the word power means, it's the Greek word dunamis. It means it's explosive. And when you share Jesus with people, as simple as it is, it's the very way God chose to bring people to him. It penetrates the hardest hearts. It did mine. And it just opens up their heart to Jesus and people accept him. It takes time for some, but it is so Powerful. So look at our text. In verse 16, it says, Those who believe and are baptized will be saved, but those who refuse to believe will be condemned. And we're born in this world with a sin stain. And so if we don't accept Jesus, we we can't make our way to heaven. I do want to throw in, you know, children are exempt because the Bible talks about the age of accountability. So if a child dies, Uh, before the age of accountability, they're, they're going to go up. They're not going to go down. But we come to that age where we can make a decision. And if we don't, we're already condemned. So there's only one way to go, and that's down. But here's the part I want to emphasize, verse 16. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved. So salvation comes when we believe. And notice how important baptism is and are baptized. Now, baptism doesn't save us. But it's so important that Jesus put it in the Great Commission. That's why I'm so shameless. Every weekend, you will hear me talk about water baptism. And you'll hear me say, hey, guys, you may have been baptized as a baby like I was. Protestants and Catholic baptized babies. I was baptized as a baby. And you might have been baptized as an adult. But after you believe, that's when you need to be baptized again. And so I was baptized again. I still have my certificate from when I was baptized as a baby. And that's nothing wrong with that, it's precious, keep it. But you have to believe and then be baptized. So here's our vision. And this is what we wanna make sure we don't drift from. Churches drift from vision all the time. The number one vision of the church or mission is for us to share Jesus with people. The second one is to take people that accept Jesus and turn them into followers or disciples. And, and it's so easy to drift. We'll talk about that. But here's our, here's our vision. We exist to see a city connected with God. That's why we exist as a church. And so if you volunteer here, you give here you're on mission, because that's, that's what we're all about. I mean, we're, we're growing Christians and we're bringing people into the kingdom. And it's beautiful to watch it happen. Uh, in 2018, I shared this just a couple months ago, in 2018 as a church, this includes Borman and Warren. Borman didn't officially begin until September of 2018, but our two churches put together, um, and we're talking about just in the four walls, adults, children, and students, we, we average 17 people a week coming to Christ. Guys, that's amazing. Borman, TCI Warren, can we give it up and say thank you, Jesus? You guys are helping volunteers, givers. Thank you so much. So there's this book called Mission Drift, and that's where we, we just created this series from the book. Just the idea of, of, of the series came from the book. But here, here's a quote from Peter Greer who wrote the book. Without careful attention faith-based organizations will inevitably drift from their founding mission. And he shares some stories in this book that blew my gaskets. They're crazy. I saved the best one for next week, so we're gonna look at that one next week. There's one that has to do with pawn shops that blew my mind. Did you know pawn shops began as a Christian organization? Hard to believe, but they did. I don't have time to share that one, but I wanna share this one with you. It's the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association Association. And it was started by George Williams in London, England. And you know what the mission of the YMCA was? Young Men's Christian Association had no workout facility when it was started. Uh, It was to take displaced men and teach them about Jesus and put them into the ministry. That was the mission of the YMCA. Do you know that they sent 20,000 missionaries out in their early days to the missions field? That's absolutely amazing. That's how they began. But now, when I was in high school, I used to work out at the Y, and I would just tell my mom, I'm going to the Y, and you never heard about Jesus back then, right? In the 70s. Uh, You just went there to work out, right? And that's not bad, but it drifted. It was a huge drift. Here's here's their logo today. They changed their logo to the Y, and you see YMCA there. Um, So they still kept that phrase there, but it's no longer a young men's Christian association. They're no longer taking displaced men and growing them in Christ. Pushing them out into the ministry. As a matter of fact, here's their here's their new vision. It's it's just been redone. It's for youth development, for healthy living, for social responsibility. Can we all agree that that's that's a great mission? There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not where they started, right? If they started here and that was their purpose, we'd all say, "Wow, that's a great organization." Um, I don't think that they're doing this even now, but 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 here is where they started, bringing Christ to people, displaced men. And now they're way over here. Nothing bad about it, but did they drift? And churches drift all the time. And when we drift as a church, we become a Christian club. And every church needs the club element. We need that club element, you know, our connect groups and hanging out and fellowshipping. We need that, but we need it with the mission or we just become only a club. And that's the last thing we want to do. So here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. Hebrews 2.1 we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So that's why guys like me, pastors, that's why we take a week, maybe twice a year, we talk about our mission and our vision because it comes out of the Bible. And we are found people who find people. That's the heart of God. That's why Jesus called us. And I just want to show you where the church is right now. So the church in America, I want to show you how far the church has drifted. And we're not the only great church in our community. We have other great churches here too. But so many have just drifted. So, so listen to this. The percentage of Christians that feel sharing their faith is wrong. The very thing Jesus asked us to do, I want to show you the percentage of Christians that feel it's wrong. Uh, and I did it by age group. This is from Barner Research. So the boomers, that's us 55 to 73-year-olds, 19% of boomers feel it's wrong to share their faith with someone. They should not invade someone's space, right? Generation X, 39 to 53, 27% of the Christians in America that are Gen X age believe it's wrong to share their faith. And then the millennials, that's 23 to 38-year-olds, 75% of millennials feel it's wrong to share their faith. Now, I want to defend the millennials because the millennials that are involved in believers, Borman Warren, it's... They're the most awesome age group. They are amazing people. And in their defense, I think some of them watched their parents and their grandparents' generation do it the wrong way, and they're like, if that's how you have to do it, I don't want to do that because that just doesn't seem to work. And then if we take all the age groups together, it's 46% of Christians in America believe it's wrong to share their faith. That's a huge, huge number. Can we say the church has drifted, and then, guys, here's what's happening. 95% of Christians have never shared their faith with someone. That's huge, and I I think I know why. I think because they try to share it a way that God didn't create them to share it, Um, and so we're gonna talk about the four different ways that God uses Christians with their personalities to share their faith. 85% of you fit into one Way, and you're trying to do it the other way, and so we'll have some fun when we look at that. But here's one more stat: the average church in America has two conversions to Christ per year. That means there's a ton that aren't having any, right? And there's some that are having more, but the church has drifted. Well, everything drifts if you don't stay on it. I, I in August I will have pastored believers for 36 years. And I remember every decade or so, we, we started to drift. And it's, you just got to pull it back and say, we will not drift, right? So you can go to a church that's on mission and you could drift yourself or maybe, maybe you've just never been on course. So I'm going to just help us understand we're found people who find people. So I have this text. And I haven't taught on this text probably in 20 plus years. Uh, only because I felt like it was so overdone it becomes white noise every time you, you mention it. But I've taught the subject from other texts. But you know, I was just preparing for this and this just kept coming up. I had read it recently and then what I saw in it was this. Jesus talked about an event. There's an event that has to happen in every human being's life. And if this event doesn't happen, they won't go to heaven. So we, got, we have to make sure that this event is something that is taking place, and you and I have to be aware of it. So I want to read the text and have a little fun with it. This is John 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That means he was a theologian in his religion, in the Jewish religion, and he was a leader. So he's not just a theologian, he's a high-up leader. And look at, listen, listen to verse 2. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Now, the very fact he came at night means he didn't want the other Pharisees to know because the Pharisees hated Jesus and they were threatened by him and he knew there's no way they could know. So he's being kind when he said we because it's really just him. But he's saying, you know what, Jesus, I really feel you came from heaven. So his heart is open. And at this point, Jesus could have said, Nick, man, I really appreciate that I'm impacting your life. Thanks for sharing it. You made my week. He could have said something like that. But he, he had to talk about an event. Because no matter what he said, no matter what Nicodemus thinks, and Jesus, you're cool. Jesus, you're really awesome. That doesn't get him to heaven. Jesus, I think you came from God. That doesn't get him to heaven there's only one thing that will bring him to heaven. And that's why verse 3 reads like this, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. To see the kingdom of God, that's referring to heaven. You will never go into the pearly gates unless you're born again. This is an experience that has to happen in everyone's life. It happened to me when Lou shared with me, and then I knelt down in front of that TV that I watched that one-hour show, heard the good news, and I prayed. It was an event. Now, we respond a little differently depending on who we are, because Jesus said he that's forgiven of much loves me much more. And he said he that's forgiven of a little, they still love me, but not as much. And it just kind of goes like this. If you're living a really crazy, sinful life, and Jesus comes into your life, you accept him. The darkness was so dark, he looks and feels even brighter, and you're just really excited. And so people like me, we just come out of it just much more. Like, whoa, he saved my soul. And I had some brothers that were really good. Um, They were good guys. And so they loved Jesus, but they just, they didn't have that level of Like, yeah, I've been let out of prison, that level. It's like, ah, I'm free. And that's a good feeling, right? And so we just came out a little different, but we both have served God, right? So Jesus says you have to be born again. And and this language that he's using is so distinct that it blew Nicodemus's mind. And listen to his response. He says this, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. "Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? That can't happen." So he knew Jesus was talking about a birth. And he's saying, "Jesus, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I can't be born twice. But Jesus is referring to a spiritual birth. And I remember when I first came into the kingdom of God, this was talked about a lot. And everybody I shared with, I'd ask them, hey, have you been born again? And they go, what do you mean? And I'd say, well, have you accepted Christ? Because when you do, it's amazing. Something happens inside of us, right? And that's what I said to all my friends and relatives. And it worked. I mean, I got them to thinking, there's an event that has to happen in your life. So here's him, like, I can't be born twice. And here's what Jesus said, verse five. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. He's referring to heaven unless they are born of water and spirit. Now, water is not water baptism. Remember, water baptism comes after your spiritual birth. He's referring to the fact a baby's in the womb for nine months, you know? Then the water breaks and the baby comes out. So he's telling Nick, hey, you have to have your first birth. That's from your mama, right? But then he says you have to have a spiritual birth. And that's when you accept Jesus as your Savior, And he says, you have to have both. So you have to be a human being, breathing, alive. And then you have to accept Christ, he says. And that's how you go to heaven. You have that born-again experience. So Jesus goes on. This is a great chapter if you want to read it this week. And he says in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus came to save us. In verse 18, he's telling us how to be born again. Whoever believes in him is not condemned But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed the name of God's one and only Son. When you see this for what it is, if someone doesn't accept Christ and have the born-again experience, they can't go to heaven. So think about your loved ones. Think about the friends you have, the people you hang out with that you know they don't know Christ. You know, because they won't talk about Jesus with you. They won't talk about the Bible. You know that they don't know him. If they knew him, they'd want to talk about him, right? They would never get mad if you talked about him. You know, if, if they're responding like I did to Lou, blankety blank, I don't want to hear that. You just know. Or if they're intolerant, you know they have not met him yet. So the idea is, what do we do to bring them into the kingdom? Well, they have to hear the good news. It's the power of God. So Romans 10 is a really cool chapter because it talks about that if you believe in your heart that Jesus raised, God raised Jesus from the dead, you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, you'll be saved. So that's why I always do an altar call in every service. I never know who's going to be listening. So I'm going to do an altar call because we're on mission, right? That's the mission. That's the mission. And and so um, that's how it happens. Then Romans 10 goes on to say, but, but how can they believe unless they hear? and How can they hear unless someone shares? and How can they share unless they're sent? So this is, this is why we talk about these things. So the thing I want to make sure you and I understand is that all of us are called of God to reach as many people as we can possibly reach, but the way we reach them is going to be different. The first and most necessary thing It's for us to have a heart for these people that if they don't meet Jesus, they don't get to spend eternity in heaven. And eternity is really, really a long time. And we want them to meet the Christ. And I know you do, I do. So the question is, how do you do it? Can I start out by saying this? You're not not gonna do it every week. There's people you love and you have to wait for open doors so you live the life in front of them. Remember what I said about John, uh, the guy at the gym, I would have went to church if he invited me, because I just thought, what a, I couldn't say no to him. He was just too nice a person. And, and I, I probably would have went if he invited me, but he never even thought about inviting me. But you live your life, you pray, you look for an open door. And then let me just share these four different styles with you. Here's the first one, the finger pointer, and that's Peter. And finger pointers, here's what they do. They can go up to the front door of a house, total stranger, knock on the door, and the person answers the door and they say, where do you think you'll go if you were to die today? And if the person says heaven, they'll say, well, why will you go to heaven? And it's just a way to find out if they really accepted Jesus. That's a finger pointer. Only 5% of Christians are finger pointers, but most of us think that's the only way that you can do it. So you're like, I can't do that. It's like, ah, I'll never do that in my life. And so, well, you don't have to do it that way. Here, here's the second, the second type. It's an arm opener. And this is Matthew. And Matthew was the tax collector. Remember after he accepted Jesus? He, he had a party that very night. And so he has this ability to just say, come to my house, come to my house. And, and then what did he do? He brought Jesus to talk. He said, I don't know how to share this stuff. I'm gonna have Jesus share." And we have people in our church doing this. There's some arm openers I heard about in Boardman. I'm so proud of you guys. They're just inviting people over to the house. And then they have my son, Joe Jr., come over and share. And they're getting people saved. And it's just absolutely amazing. It's just an arm opener. And some, some of you are comfortable with that. And then we have... Uh, and only 5% of you are arm openers, by the way. Then we have back, back patters. That's Barnabas in the Bible. And, and that's just someone of the firms. They have a high mercy gift. And they're just like, they, they, anybody that's down and out, they're like, oh, man, you can do it. Come on. And I, I have no ability. My mercy on a test I took was three out of 100. So <laughs> I have, everything I do is because I just make it a task. I have zero mercy. So I'm like, Come on, get up and walk. Do something, man. Come on. And so these guys are 5% of us. They're like, they they're soup kitchens. They're doing all these things. 5% of us. So that's 15%. Here's 85% of you. I call it the hand grabber. Philip was a hand grabber. And it's just like, hey, my church has been changing my life. Man, the worship at our church is so cool. The pastor's okay, but the worship's really amazing. And, you know, just for the worship. Just come for the worship. And and, and just, you just, just say, come, come. It's easy to do. You can't do it every week. You wait for your time. You know, Easter's great. You know, Christmas uh, or a new series. Hey, this series, I think it will really help you. Come, come. And listen to this. This is how Philip did it. John 1, 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the Old Testament, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So translated, he said this is what Nathanael heard, we found the Messiah, the Savior, he's here, come, come, he's here. So Nathanael says this, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, but then Philip's the hand grabber, and here's all he did come and see, said Philip. Is that hard to do? Come and see, man. Just come come and visit. That's 85% of Christians. And you bide your time. You wait for the open doors. And I so respect the finger pointers. You guys are awesome, man. I had a friend. He's such a finger pointer. He pastors a church. When he gets on an airplane, he goes to the cockpit. Even today, after all the 9-11 stuff, he'll get a conversation going with the pilots and ask them about Jesus. It's like, whoa! Uh, and uh, he just, and, you know, anyone he meets and I appreciate that and God will use him like God used Lou, but not, that's only 5% of us, right? So I want to share just, just some cool stats with you. Uh, we said this last week at the offering Boardman and Warren, the highest attended service of the year is Easter, that's Lifeway Research, then and Christmas, then and Mother's Day. But listen to this one, this is the mind blower. 153 million on church men and women in the United States who, uh, who would attend an Easter service if they were invited. So I want you to think about that. Our population is just over 300 million. Half of us in America say, I'm not going to church on a regular basis or I don't go at all. But if someone invited me to an Easter service, there's something about Easter that's so powerful. I would, I, I would go. I'd go. Isn't that amazing? So there's a lot of people waiting And then I love this last stat. 86% of people say they started attending church because they were invited by a friend. Your invite's powerful. This is a great book, The Inviting Church. It's it's so powerful. So guys, if you're new here, you're part of a church that is doing everything that's power to stay on the first mission. We exist to see a city connected to God. We are found people who find people, go into all the world. I'm trying my best today to motivate and encourage and also empower us to say, hey, I I can do this out of my personality. This is something I can do. And so I believe God is one of the things I see in this message is how good God is. Aren't you glad he found you? Can we thank him for finding us and then trusting us to find others? It's amazing. It's amazing. God wants to use you with your gift, your ability. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I did my best to bring this incredible truth out. And Lord, our heart's prayer is keep us on mission as a church, keep us on mission as individuals. And we realize we love you, but we live in this human body that wants to drift. So keep us on mission, Lord. Keep us on mission. By your grace, keep us on mission. And Father, I thank you for every person that's here listening in every campus. I thank you for speaking to hearts. I thank you for changing us, Lord. I'm so thankful for the change I see in people's lives and in my life. Thank you for growing us, Lord. I appreciate it. Lord, you said we can ask you to place desires in our hearts. So we just cry out, place a desire in us both to will and do your good pleasure. Flood us with desire, Lord, to do what you want us to do. Father, we thank you for freeing those that need free. We just thank you for doing what only you can do. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm convinced God's speaking to hearts. If you're listening and you're not sure if you've had the born again experience, why not today? I mean, you heard the whole message. Jesus died to save you. God raised him up. If you believe in him, he'll save you. So if you're listening, you say, hey, that's me. I'm ready to call on his name. I'm ready. Would you pray with us right now? Everyone else, can we help them pray? Let's pray loud enough so they hear us. Borman, TCI, Warren. Just say this after me. Say, Father, thank you for Jesus. And this day, I look to him. Jesus, I believe. You're the son of God. You died for my sins. God raised you from the grave. And this day... I call on your name. I accept you as Savior. Thank you for cleansing my soul and allowing me to
0: be born again.